And welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what's going on, dude? Dude, I'm just hanging out, just looking at a picture of all the NHL team dogs. Did you know that there are like 10 NHL team dogs? So you're telling me that every team doesn't have their own dog? No, every team doesn't have their own dog, but do you want to know some of the names of some of these team dogs? Yes, I do. Which which, which okay. is like the most... So the Islanders have already retired one of their dogs with Radar, and then now they have Tori. Yep. Tori. Yep. Tori, who just turned turned nine months old. The best, the best one, honestly, is uh, the Golden Knights dog's name is Bark Andre Fury. <laughs> Love actually, that. better than that, it's bark. It's actually bark Andre furry, like as in like <laughs> I'm a furry dog. So I mean that's really the best one, honestly. But um, the sharks have have a dog named Finn. Uh, the um, the wild have a dog named Breezer. Uh, the Capitals have a dog named Captain. Uh, the Coyotes have a dog named Luna. Uh, the Blues have a dog named Barkley, which I don't I don't really. It's kind of weird, but okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Islanders had shared this post that uh, all these dogs, all these team dogs, they have them um, like thanking the healthcare workers on the front lines, and all of the dogs like had a little part of the message, and they, they all did it uh, like you know one by one, which is cool, man. I love dogs, so anytime like a dog is doing anything, I love it. But yeah, Tori turned nine months old, and uh, you know. It's great things. Love dogs. Every team should have a dog. There should be like a whole hockey team full of dogs, in my opinion. But now, are you friends? Got, you know, are you friends with Damber's dad on Facebook? I'm. I am not. I don't think. But did he just post about Tori? Dude, so Tori is legit Jerry's best friend. Like, I think that. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Damber's dad volunteers for that organization, and like during all islander games like he just like walks tory around the arena and like he's like kind of like security for tory at at these games oh i love it <laughs> so like that's, that's incredible he's, he's always posting photos of tory it's just so funny i mean tory is tory's a cute dog i mean you know like i'm trying to think it looks like the the bark andre furry looks like a uh some sort of little dog i don't know the rest of them look like they're like either labs or um, I don't know what they are, but I love them. They're the best. They're awesome. I uh, I want to get a dog eventually. Me and Amanda were talking about um, uh, putting in a um, like an adoption request for like an older pug, uh, like between like four to nine years old. Um, so uh, we might do that. You know, get like a little rescue pug, an older dog that's already housebroken and stuff, and just you know to hang out with us. No, yeah, dog dogs really are the greatest. They bring uh like at a time like this like during a pandemic you know Mm -hmm. my dog rufio just brings some i guess uh normalcy to our lives like you know and it's just it's awesome i love having a dog yeah and hopefully we can get rufio on one of these episodes as a guest (laughs) seems like he's uh who's hard to scott sellers yeah i mean i'll dude 
would love to get Scott Sellers. I don't know if he's a hockey fan, but I did listen to his episode of um, uh, Lead Singer Syndrome that he did with Shane Told, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, that, that like, early 2000s pop punk, man. That's that's our bread and butter. That definitely is, man. So uh, I know um, we were talking a little bit before uh, we wanted to touch upon it. Um, you know, obviously, the NHL Network, now they don't have any, you know, any real content. Uh, they've been playing old games. I know uh, NHL.TV has been doing it, too. But uh, they had showcased uh, the Islanders Cup run, right? Yeah, so they they've been playing, um, you know, the all the game clinching games of the, you know, the dynasty years when the Islanders won the four back to back cups, and you know, I'm gonna admit it on this podcast that I've actually never sat down and watched any of those games from you know start to finish. Uh, you know, you've seen the highlights, but I I've never yeah. sat down and watched you know the full you know, 20 minute periods and all that. Really? Have you? Yeah. I mean, I, no, I mean like I, I've never either. Um, I did come across though once. Um, I, I, I feel like stupid for not having bought them, but uh, I did come across, uh, they have like a vinyl uh, pressing of uh, like the Islanders, like cup wins. Like, I guess it's just, I don't know what's on the vinyl. I guess it maybe is just like, commentary from like their wins but like i came across them in a thrift store they were like a dollar each and i was like ah screw it but um i've never seen them since but like literally like a vinyl record just like that was just had like a picture of like the islanders on it. it's like 80 to 81 81 to 82 so i have no idea what the hell that is i can't believe you didn't buy that i mean i should have right but Do you like, remember when you had that um, replica Islander Stanley Cup and decided to bring it out one night drinking. Yeah, and what I do happened to that, that yeah. Stanley Cup? <laughs> did you did, what, did you steal it? I stole it, and then we went to Miller's Ale House after, like drinking many carafes of wine, and yeah, I had the the fumbles and dropped it, and it shattered into literally like ten thousand. Oh yeah, pieces. that's right. I totally forgot that. I remember like you stealing it, but I didn't remember that it shattered. But like that's just indicative of like of just the Islanders' entire like life since we've been alive is just shattered dreams. Terrible. You know, obviously all the older people in my group were like tagging me and like commenting, like, oh, you gotta watch the the Dynasty games. They're on NHL network and I don't know. I don't know if I really have any interest in watching those games. First of all, hockey was not the same sport as it is now. Like, of course, goalies were just Swiss cheese back then, man. Like it was it it was just like the flopping all over the place. The goalies. It's just not fun hockey, in my opinion, to watch. And, you know, I, I, I think that, yes, what the Islanders did is so special. And I don't know if we'll ever see it again in like a cap error where you can have a team win four championships in a row. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do also have kind of some bitterness towards that because as a kid in the 90s, when things weren't great, that was like the only thing the Islanders like shoved down our throats was like, oh, the Islanders are on like a 15 game losing streak. Let's have Dynasty Night. And like that, yeah. it was just all the time to just kind of like 
blind people of how bad badly run the franchise was that it left kind of a sour taste in my mouth and like i wasn't born yet when they won all those cups so i like yes i respect those gentlemen that you know Mm -hmm. were able to pull that off i also don't give a shit at the same at the same time i mean it's it's tough because it gets part of the lineage and it really is like you know what you can like rest your laurels upon like you know getting into like arguments with ranger fans like unfortunately like that's kind of like the you know, like the backbone of, of the argument that you can make sometimes. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a little bitter for me because like, you know, I've got, you know, people who are in my age group that like, even though they were young, you know, they got to see the Rangers win a cup, you know, I mean, some of them were, you know, six, seven years old. And I mean, maybe you don't remember much from that, but you remember enough to remember that, you know, this team that you like, you know, won a championship and it's tough because like, you know, like, and in, in where where I am, I mean, you know, being an Islander fan and a Met fan, let's just, you know, call it that. I mean, it's just like, you know, the year before I was born, you know, the Mets won a, won a championship, you know. So it's like I've never got to enjoy that elation. I mean, yeah, I got to see the Mets, you know, go to the World Series twice and I got to see them get annihilated twice. You know, it's just like sucks, really sucks. But, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, the, the Islanders will make a run eventually, you know, you just got to hope that, that something's got to give. I mean, at least they've gotten over the slump of not having one, you know, a playoff game, but I can kind of understand where you're coming from because like, it's hard to identify with something that you weren't alive for, you know, it's a completely different game that you're not accustomed to. And it's, you know, players that you don't have any connection with. I mean, yeah, of course, you know, you know, Bossy and Nystrom and, you know, Gillies and like all these guys that like, you know, we look back, you know, on their legacy fondly, but it's like, you know, you never really got to watch them play or skate or anything. So like, it's hard for someone in our age group to have that connection, but it's like the legacy of the team that like really is all we have rooted in, you know, it's like, that's all, you know, Islander fans have is is those four cups. So, uh, you know, it's, I'm kind of divided, but I can see where you're coming from for sure. And honestly, I think that, that that dynasty team is why we still have the New York Islanders because in the you know mid nineties when the team was hot garbage, like yeah. I'm sure the NHL was listening to offers, especially with like when the Spano situation came out, they were probably mm-hmm. listening oh, yeah. to a million offers from other cities. Like, hey, we'll take the Islanders, but like, yeah, can you really have a dynasty team no longer exist? Like, that looks bad for your for your league like if if a dynasty team just relocates has that yeah, happened I mean, in other sports like i can't think of anyone like a dynasty team probably not but i mean uh yeah i mean i guess you're right i mean like if you look at like the the franchises that have moved in hockey right so i mean you look at the nordiques right i mean I mean, I guess you can maybe make a case. I mean, not that they were a dynasty team, but I mean, the the North Stars, right? I mean, like, you know, the North Stars, um, I mean, I'd have to do some research, but I mean, I think they like at least won a championship or two. Um, I mean, I I could be wrong, but no, you might never. Yeah, I don't don't think they have. And like, no, when you think about the teams that didn't relocate, I think they weren't tied down to, you know, many championships if at yeah, all any I, so like you know i'm sure the nhl definitely considered that yeah i mean now, now that i think about it i mean i'm sure they had to i mean like you know how do you erase that from history um 
but like I'm just trying to pontificate with like whatever information I have in my brain. But like looking at the other sports franchises, I mean, like some of them have moved cities, but like have not like haven't like changed their identity completely. And you look at like the Raiders that are in Vegas. I mean, they, you know, won a championship or two. And, um, you know, like you've got obviously, you know, the Rams, I guess, had won just the the one uh, basketball. I can't even think of. I mean, I can think of the Supersonics. They never won a championship, I don't think. And they moved around. But, yeah, I mean, you know, imagine like, you know, imagine like a team like the, the Chicago Bulls getting sold, you know, or like. You know, imagine like a team like the Red Wings, you know, they have like five more terrible seasons and, you know, they get, you know, sold to who knows where, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't see it happening. I think, you know, that has a lot to do with it because franchises just have that pedigree, you know, and it's just like, how do you erase them from history? Uh, it's kind of hard to, you can't. So I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I just thought that, you know, that was kind of some hot takes to have, especially since, you know. I couldn't even tell you how many people tagged me in the post about um, those dynasty games playing on NHL Network. And, you know, one of these nights, maybe we should just, you know, you and I, like even through like a Zoom call or something, just sit down and try to watch one of these games, like one of these championship games, because I never <laughs> have. I've only seen the highlights. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm sure like I'm sure it'll be kind of cool. Um, you know, just to kind of like, you know, see some of these guys like skate a whole game and kind of look at their, you know, how the team strategized and stuff. But, you know, that kind of hockey could, you know, I don't know, might be might be a little boring, but I mean, I'm down to try it for sure. Um, you know, just to get some perspective on it. Yeah. So uh, I guess we've babbled on long enough about um, <laughs> old time hockey and uh, we could talk about our you know, current guest, and I, I would even consider them kind of a dynasty in our genre of music. And that is uh, our conversation that we have with Nate Young of Amberlin. So, Tom, why don't you lead us right into it? Yeah, it's um, it was super cool. I mean, you know, Amberlin is one of those bands that like I, I listened to uh, ad nauseum for many, many years. I mean, I got into them when their first record came out and followed their discography and lineage. And, you know, they were a band, um, you know, I, I, you'll hear me talk about it on the interview a bit, but they were a band that, um, allowed me kind of the, the ability to branch out and listen to a, a lot of other bands that are in that quote unquote network that I may never had the opportunity. I think I, I had uh, experienced Amberlin for the first time, uh, either on mp3.com or, or something like that. And then, you know, from there, just looking at their connected artists and stuff, I found a lot of other great music. Uh, that's not to, you know, to, uh, you know, cast down Amberlin's music themselves. I mean, they, they have an incredible discography. Uh, they've, you know, evolved through time and talking to Nate about it and, uh, you know, seeing his, you know, how they've cruised and seeing, you know, all of the things that he's done to, you know, to put together a, uh, you know, like a comprehensive kind of discography for this band and how he's enjoyed it and, you know, what he, he's done and what influences he's had. It was super cool. Uh, so, you know, when you listen to this interview, I hope you really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, forgive me for, for you know, my fanboyism. It's, it's in there a little bit. I do apologize. But uh, talking to Nate was cool. You know, hearing him talk a, a little bit about hockey music. It's great stuff. So, you know, hope you enjoy our interview with, uh, you know, Nate from Man Berlin and enjoy.
And we're back in the box with our boy, Nate Young of Amberlin. Nate, man, how you doing? Good, real good. Hanging, hanging down in Tampa. All right, perfect. Yeah, Tom and I actually uh, were in Tampa in January catching out uh, a Bolts-Isles game. Oh, sick. Yeah, it was a blast. Very Tampa's nice. a, a great hockey town for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh, we always get crap because we, you know, obviously in Florida, no snow, no ice, so we my whole life, I've got that. So, but yeah, no, it's a, it's uh, Tampa's for sure is uh, a very good city for the Bolts for sure. And I, I say it all the time, but there's nothing like watching hockey wearing shorts. Like, it just, <laughs> right? It does something to your soul, man. It just feels good. Well, what's funny is we all like to go to games because it's so hot outside. With like when we sit inside, we all like wear like hoodies and jackets that we can never wear outside. So. It's funny you're like, oh, I wear shorts, but I'm I always bring like big jacket or something because it's like <laughs> as cold as it gets for us. My blood has thinned though. Like living in Charlotte, North Carolina, I know it's not as bad as Florida, but like no, but you guys got hot summers. Oh yeah, our, our sure. summers are are hot, man. And like I go back to New York and I'm a little baby. Oh, totally. And dude, I gotta say, the hottest I've ever been in my entire life was in North Carolina. Even it 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 crushed Florida. Like I'll, I will still, anytime anyone talks about Florida, like in the summer, I'm like, man, I still was hotter in North Carolina. It's brutal. Yeah. Actually, yeah. One of the, sorry, Tom. Well, I was going to say one of the, one of the, no, you're good, man. One of the bummers about like living in, in Orlando being like in central Florida is you, you're kind of landlocked. So like you don't yeah, you get got no that, breeze, you get no breeze, man. And yeah. that's, that's what makes it tough in the summer because you get like, it really like very infrequently goes above like 91, 92 degrees. Like, a, a, like occasionally totally. you'll get like a 95 degree day, but. You get That's that rare. humidity. You get that yeah. humidity where, like, every day from like May to like September, it's like ninety percent humidity. So you're just yeah. sticky. And you get no respite from it. <laughs> so and so that That's I've not true. gotten. Not yeah, that dude, you're right though. It's like so <laughs> funny because the actual temp doesn't. You're right. They even get past like you know low to mid nineties, but the humidity just takes it to another level. But because I'm I'm born and raised here. I can I, I, humidity is like something that works for me. Like I dry heat is what like crushes me. Like it's so funny, just like from wherever you are from is kind of what you adapt to. But not to say that like it still isn't brutal. I mean, you wake up at like five in the morning, you go outside in the summer, and it's like you're swimming in the air. I mean, it's oh, like yeah. brutal. So I totally get it. But it is it, 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 it's a weird one down here for sure. Absolutely. Now, uh, Nate, um, it's it's funny. Tom and I are huge Amberlin fans, but I had Sick. no idea about the your your hockey connection. And actually, one of our listeners pointed it out. He he oh, brought it to our attention, and he was like, "Hey, like I'm a huge Amberlin fan. Like they actually uh, have lyrics in our wedding vows. Like 
huge fan and I know that they're Tampa Bay Lightning fans. And I was like, holy shit, like how did that slip under my radar? So I'm glad yeah, I think <laughs> glad that I worked this out. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, man. Because it's one of those things where um, in Tampa, like I'm actually the only like Tampa proper uh, as far as like live here. Like Dion and Christian, they live in St. Pete. But, you know, it's still like everyone in this area kind of, you know, that's the only, it's not like there's a St. Pete hockey team. So the bolts is for, you know, across the board, but, um, yeah, man, it's crazy. We just, uh, we got to, uh, 2018. They actually had us for one of their games. Like they, they do this like social MVP of the night or whatever. And they had us come out and it was like one of the raddest nights. We got to go down and like watch them practice and like go back and hang and it was it was wild for sure but yeah that was again because like just the it's funny because i'm like i was saying the only person in tampa but they kind of drew the connection to that and so it was pretty sick no so you said awesome. that was that was for uh that was 2000 that was 2018 you said yeah it was right before so it was the it was because we hadn't played a show since 2014 and then yeah we were, we were playing a, uh our first show back in like five years or whatever in uh with with our friends here in Tampa under oath dudes and so our first show was at the uh USF Sundome which is like pretty close and so they were just like yo do you want to come and like do this and like be our like social MVP so it was kind of sick because I hadn't done anything with Amberlynn in like five years so that was like yeah. the first thing we all like got to do together was go to this Bolts game so that's awesome we, get, we so- got crushed that game so I was like Man, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going back <laughs> so I, I you know a question for you obviously so you know, you guys played uh, played your last show, I know, in like 2014. I think it was towards the end of 2014. So you guys make this decision to reunite, and it's really for just, I guess, that one show on the Under Oath tour. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously to follow, you guys announced that you were going to do the headlining shows in, in Australia and then the U.S. tour. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so what made you guys decide? that um you know you wanted to just get back and play this one show with with under oath you know what how did that come come to be yeah totally so um there's a few things i mean we had kind of like a lot of us had still kept in touch but a lot of us hadn't talked even in a couple years when the band ended and not even because it was like super bad blood or anything Mm -hmm. but everyone was just kind of doing their own thing and sure um so quick i'll make it fast sometimes it, it can be a long story but so tam uh mctag the guitar player and under oath he is my brother-in-law so okay. so we married sisters and um so we and then we also uh own and run a business here in tampa together so since amberlynn ended and since under oath ended the first time mm-hmm. we'd started this company together um so anyway he's he's also my best friend and we just we're like talking and it was like dude like life short like this is it's such a weird time in general with like under oath being back and doing their whole thing mm-hmm. and it kind of just kind of randomly got brought up like dude what if, what if amberlyn played that show with us and i like kind of brought it up to the dudes and like we had no plans really we had just chatted like a little bit prior about like the idea of doing something but we just were like this, do you guys want to do this? It was like not a big, or it wasn't a like climactic thing that happened. We were just like, yo, do you want to play a show? We haven't played a show in five years. Like, should be fun. Like, those are our homies. Like, we, you know, grew up playing shows with Under Oath. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just like a, yeah, does anyone want to do it? We all were just like, yeah, of course, it'll be fun. So that was kind of the start of it. And then we did, we just chatted more and basically were 
this sounds so cliche, but we kind of did hit this spot where we were like, we'd all been through so much personal stuff since the mm-hmm. band ended where I genuinely never thought I'd play another ambulance show. Like I was heavily convinced that I was like, yeah, that, that was fine with me. I was ready to be done. We were all sure. ready to go do our own thing, but we'd been through enough, you know, without being over the top heavy stuff where we literally sure. were just like, man, life is short. And yeah. we know that like a lot of bands, pretty much every band does the comeback thing. And yep. I had a lot of like pride with not wanting to do that. Cause I was like, yeah. yo, like Amberlynn ended proper. Like I don't, I don't want to come back. I don't want to do the same thing that every band does. And, but I realized a lot of that was more of this weird, like there wasn't a bigger reason other than that. I was like, no, I want to be different. And I was like, and which is yeah. fine to some extent, but I realized I was like, outside of that, I'm like, what? No one's, I'm not going to be like 50 and be like, yo, everyone's going to remember that Amberlynn never did another show. Like, <laughs> who can, you know what I mean? Like, that's how it felt. I started to put too much emphasis on this thing. Yeah. And so when we just talked about it, we were like, yo, life's short. Like, if everyone wants to play it, let's just play it. And then the idea of Australia got brought up and everyone was like, can everyone do it? Like, can people take off work and can we go do this? And it was like, yeah, yeah why would you not go fly across the country with a a bunch of dudes that you spent so much life with and like yeah of course and so so anyway that's the long i guess i wasn't as short as i thought no I man listen, yeah <laughs> that, that insight is awesome and and you know that's and, and listen like you know don't feel like you have to like truncate your answers or anything like this for me and, and for mikey and i know i can speak for mikey on this i mean this is super cool like we don't often get the opportunity to you know talk to a member of a band that we both really really oh, like awesome. and, Thanks, and get and get insight so uh, of course uh so another question, you know, drummer to drummer is, yeah, um, yeah. so I mean, you, so here, you know, here you are, I mean, you guys have, have, have like seven full length records, you guys have like a hundred songs. Mm-hmm. So you guys make the decision. You're like, you know what, let's, let's play the show in, in Tampa. And now all of a sudden you got to sit behind <laughs> Start your playing drums. <laughs> and, 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 and like relearn a hundred songs again. So like, yeah. how is that process for you now? I'm sure like a lot of it, like probably comes back to you, but like, it's kind of daunting to probably think like, okay, well, we have these records, you know, we have these songs that are our quote unquote, like hits that people want to hear. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure when everyone gets back into the room, everyone's like, well, I, you know, I really love this song. Let's play this song. I really totally. love this. Let's do this. So like, how does that come together for you guys? Yeah, totally. It's a great question. I mean, so for the under show, it was such a short set that it was like kind of an easy decision. It was like, yo, like what are the main hits? And it was like, of course, you're never going to make everyone happy. But it was like, yeah. that was really easy. We were like, if we only are going to play like 30, 35 minutes, it was kind of a no brainer. Um, but then when we did Australia, it was headlining. We were playing like an hour and a half. So that's when it was like, yo, like now, you know what? Like you said, we got however many songs and it's like, what directions do we take? Do we play, you know, the last record that we put out, we mm-hmm. never played anything off that record because that was, that record came out when we were ending and, and doing a final tour. Sure. I don't think, you know, we, we kind of all agreed that people didn't want to hear a bunch of new songs. They we were like, yo, they probably, if this is going to be the last time they see us, which at the time we a hundred percent thought that like, we don't want to play songs that they heard four months ago. We want to play songs that they've been singing to for like, you know, 10 years. So, mm-hmm. so for Australia, we kind of kept that same approach. Um, but we sprinkled in some stuff from the the record that came out in 2014. Um, and that was more of like based on who likes what song, you know what I mean? It was like, yo, we've never even played these. So let's like spend time deciding which ones are cool. So, um, but it was, I will say the like 
the muscle memory was blew my mind for everyone. Like we had like <laughs> five days of full rehearsal plan for Australia, like five full, like we're just going to like got to do it. And after day two, we were like, let's just cancel the other three days because we all, it all came back to us so fast that oh, we were like, awesome. we don't, yeah. we were like, we don't even really need this. So we just like, it was cool. It was like, and it wasn't like, you know, that sounds like cocky, but it was more just like, yo, we, we all like jumped back into it. We were kind of laughing about it. Cause we were like, this is so weird. And you cannot do something for five years and then jump back into it and feels like we just have only taken off like a few weeks yeah. from touring. So it was cool. I mean, it, it was a pretty, um, you know, easy decision as far as, uh, the set list. I thought it would be tougher, but no one, I think it was tougher when we were still a band, to be honest, because we had a lot of opinions about where we were going of like, yeah. yo, like I want, I want to be the, uh, these are the songs that I feel like represent Sam Berlin. It's like, no, I want to be more of a rock band. I want to be more of like a more, in, you know, indie vibe. So everyone yeah. kind of have heavily, you know, opinionated ideas on what Amberlynn was. So with this, we were all like, yo, this is just so much fun. Like, what do you guys want to play? Like, we were all just like throwing out stuff and it was just like, cool, let's do it. So it wasn't as across the board. The whole thing was way less uh, painful than I thought it would be for sure. Sweet. Now, Nate, I kind of want to go even further back in time, kind of cool. to the start of Amberlynn and when you guys uh, recorded with Aaron Sprinkle, because that's a name that mm -hmm. just like stands out to Tom and I, because like gr growing up in the music scene in like the early 2000s, like his name was stamped on everything. So, oh, like, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, like especially Tom and I are huge Gatsby's American Dream fans. So like That's it. we we learned about Aaron Sprinkle like very very early on and like yeah you guys put out what two records with him three records with him oh let me think four so oh god five <laughs> five so yeah so like it runs even deeper than I thought so oh yeah for sure yeah so what's it like working with him and like you know being in the Seattle area recording and all that. Yeah, man, that's a uh, it's a, a great question because I was the same as you prior to Amberlynn working with him because I grew up like big MXPX fan. He did the he did Poconacha, so like for me, like and I was like a, a big fan of his old band, like Poor Old Lou. Um, he had a record that under a band called Rose Blossom Punch. That leading up to that, I already knew who he was as like a you know twelve year old, thirteen year old. So when all that went down, I mean, it's it's so crazy because that's literally um, 2002. So yeah, insane. 18 years ago. So for us, like when all that started being talked about and who we're gonna make the record with and all this stuff, like going to Seattle and making a record, I with Aaron Sprinkle, someone that I already was like a huge fan of, and I at the time I was uh, 15 years old. So all of it was just very like wild to like go to Seattle and like make a record on like one of my favorite labels growing up. Like it was a very wild experience, but man, Sprinkle is like one of my closest friends still. Um, and he, from the beginning, I mean, we did, yeah, our first three records, um, that were on tooth and nail were all with Aaron. And then, we uh after those three records so it was blueprints for the black market never take friendship personal and cities were with him and then 
we uh, got signed to Universal after Cities or actually during Cities. And we tried so hard for them to let us make the record with, with Aaron. Um, and then it just due to like politics and a bunch of different things, like, you know, to a, to a major label, they were like, we don't know this guy. You know what I mean? It was this very like back and forth of like, we want you to use a bigger name and all this stuff. So if it was up to us, we would have never stopped making records with Aaron. Like we would have, I, I would imagine that our whole, like all of our records would have been with him if it was up to us. None of us wanted to, to, to make a record with anyone else. Um, so even, and a lot of people don't know this, even during the fourth record when we make a new surrender, like towards the end or even like halfway through, I remember like calling him and being like, so <laughs> like, so bummed because it was just so weird to make a record with anyone else. It's like all mm -hmm. we knew, you know? So sure. well, our relationship was very tight. He, a lot of times he felt like another member of the band, you know? Um, so that was really strange to, to not make a record with him, but yeah, so dude, the connection with him was amazing, and then we got to go back and make a couple more records with him after all that, um, and still just some of my favorite memories and some of my favorite records for sure. Now, did you say you were fifteen? Yeah, I was fifteen. I had to like, I I went up. I did like, I think I was in Seattle for like a week and a half, but I'd have to like track drums and then like do schoolwork, and then I'd like track drums and do schoolwork, and then like on the weekend when everyone like hang, I'd be like doing some kind of like testing or something it was is a very uh wild time for sure looking back on it holy crap man i when yeah. i think like back to when i was 15 i was like such a like loser <laughs> and not doing anything important and here you are <laughs> recording one of our favorite albums crazy that's awesome thanks man now um is that when you guys became homies with acceptance yeah so actually one of the reasons why we did blueprints with Aaron was because he had just finished that EP that acceptance put out, uh, black lines, the battlefields, something like yeah, that. Yep. Great. EP. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was the, that pushed us over with Aaron. We were like, this sounds insane. And we heard that he's like a very hands-on producer and he works closely with the band. And so that was another reason, but yeah, so acceptance that because of that, a few of those songs, we were like, dude, we have to make a record with him. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we, we'd, um, we met a couple of them here and there, but then, yeah, we did uh, a tour with them. I, I'm so bad at years, but we did a tour with them not that long after. Um, I don't, I think it was my, maybe when the second record came out, but that's when we actually became close to those guys for sure. All right, cool. Yeah. Just because then they eventually like took over Amberlin, right? Like a bunch of their members started <laughs> joining Amberlin and just like infiltrating. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kyle Flynn, who was I don't he wasn't originally in the band, but he was gonna like come out and do like keys for us, like extra stuff, and uh, and then Christian um, joined our band playing guitar, and then we actually got Kyle as well. So yeah, we had Christian and Kyle for like, I mean, we still have Christian, but then we had Kyle for like four or five years as well. Funny, awesome Funny things work uh, out. So. Uh, on the subject of, uh, of of tooth and nail, and you know, like I said, it, it's kind of you know awesome to get to talk to someone who's you know been on one of one of my favorite labels, uh, you know, that put out some of you know some of the music I've loved the most over the time. Uh, but uh, I kind of had a, a cool little thing I wanted to to kind of do with you. Um, so I uh, was looking over tooth and nail's discography. Uh, mm -hmm. I picked ten records 
um, that have kind of come out pretty much from, you know, the kind of the start of Tooth and Nail, you know, like in kind of 95, 96 and on uh, through really when your, you know, first set of tenure kind of led up about, you know, 2007 or so. So, um, you know, you don't have to go crazy in depth, but, you know, I'll, I'll shoot these, you know, these records at you one by one. Maybe you could just give me a little, uh, you know, snippet of what you thought about it. If you heard it, what your take on it was how, or how it influenced you. Totally. Um, you know, all right. So, uh, having said that, we'll, we'll start off with, uh, uh, the first one, obviously, um, a s- classic, classic record, but, uh, life in general, MXPX. Oh yeah, man. That, so that band, I love to pick them because MXPX, I would still to this day say is, is one of my favorite bands. That was the band. So I have two older brothers that introduced me to all of my music at that point. Um, but MXPX was like another level for me. I mean, and, and at the time, now that we all know my age, since I said I was 15 when I did that record, I was like <laughs> mad young. So I was like yeah. 10, 11 years old and I was like, I was first hearing that stuff. So I actually pretty on the nose of like when they were putting out records is when I was actively getting an MXPX. So like Pokenatcha came out and then Teenage Politics was the record that like really pushed me over. Like that was like, you know, as a kid, I'm saying this like, like I'm some like music critic, but I just remember that was the record that like, I was like, all right, this is like, you know, my favorite band. That's what I would say. I'd save up my money to buy MXPX shirts. And at the time it was on like, you know, catalog and you had to like call your order it or you had to yeah, like, right? in your order. like we did all that stuff. It was so wild. But yeah, man, life in general was, I mean, that record down to like the artwork. Cause I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, of, of art on yeah. records. Like that's a huge thing to me. And I just remember like staring at that artwork and just being like, it was just so, at the time, it felt so unique and it was so like badass and it felt so like edgy and it was like so like just all this stuff in one record. And like, uh, so that record for me for sure was like still one of my favorite MXBS records. But, um, and I remember that's when they started to get like massive or at least in my mind, massive. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what massive was back then, but like at the time that everyone was talking about it, I remember just like, within our group it just became like the record so yeah man definitely one of my favorites all right uh next one uh emotion is dead juliana theory oh yeah dude you're naming all the jams (laughs) (laughs) um yeah same that was another like you know there's a big kind of like conversation of what is like emo and you know what band is emo to me, like when I think emo, I still think of that record. To me, that was like the start for me. Like I remember just being like, man, like down to the lyrics, down to the sounds, down to like everything. It just was like encompassed all of that. And it was it was so fresh at the time. I was like, what is this? Like it's not rock, it's not punk, mm-hmm. it's not that it was just this new thing that was just so unique to me so yeah man i mean and that's another thing that like talking about all this and saying all this like you know being able to like now know those guys and be like and tour with them and all that was just such a crazy thing because these records like you're naming them like bringing me back to like such a massive point in my life so yeah man that another record's like one of my favorites yeah and we're actually we're we're we're, uh we're trying to get brett on he's a huge pens fan so we're trying to get him oh uh, dude i'll hit him I'm not to sound all like oh yeah no no it's he, all good 
he's I mean he I was gonna suggest that his his knowledge of hockey and his love for hockey is so next level and I mean he's just such a fun hang and such a good conversation so awesome all right next next one I got on here um self-titled slick shoes oh yeah um yeah man all that's another great one it's it's such a unique record at the time too because I felt like his voice was so that like quintessential whiny punk yeah. rock that it was uh-huh. just like you hear it and you're just like oh and you know what it is like I love that when you had all these like bands putting out stuff but, like when you hear someone's vocals and you're like you there's no mistaking what it is you know what I mean whether you like it or not mm-hmm. like whether you think it's too whiny or too whatever like Slick Shoes is just one of those bands that's like especially that record yeah um, and just using like the start with the Goonies and all that. I just remember it was just like so cool and so yep. bad. So yeah, man, Definitely. love that band, love that one. Uh, next one, um, you should be living two thirty eight. Oh man, dude, another one. <laughs> I'm impressed because I feel like there's so many uh, bands on Tooth and Nail, and there's so yep. many records you could choose. And it's just, I think it's just wild that you keep naming ones that are like my jam. One of my favorite um, records, by the way, this this two thirty eight record. Um, one of my favorite records. But but go ahead, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> oh, well, two thirty eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I remember Joey, our guitar player. Um, he showed us that record, and we were like in a van, and we were touring. And I remember, like at the time, whoever's driving had to have someone, um, sitting up next to you to like keep them awake and stuff. And I remember he had like bought that CD or whatever, and, we, and he played it. And I just remember it was like a similar thing. I was just like, I don't, what am I listening to? Like the way the songs were written, the whole just overall, you know, execution of that record. It was just like, and we, this was like one tour, and we probably jammed it like a hundred times. I mean, we just played it so much that I think it started to do that, like, you know, ring of death. And you couldn't even listen yeah. to it anymore because we just all played it so much. So, yeah, yeah man, one of my favorites. Um, all right. Uh, next one, uh, we got um, – uh, we'll do this one. Uh, Love of Life with Tashi Wa. Oh, dude. I, uh, this one – so I legitimately didn't um, – I didn't jam that record as much. Okay. But – I remember my brother was super into it and I was always like, yeah, like I like it, but it didn't like catch me in this way that I, that it did with my brother and some of, you know, our other friends. Mm-hmm. But, um, when the Seas came out and all, I just remember there was a similar vibe, but that was like, you know, obviously the start of it with Watashi Wa. Yeah. But now to this day, and just like a fun thing, like Seth Roberts is one of my actual best friends and all like an hour before this, him and I just caught up, caught, caught up for about an hour on the phone so awesome he yeah so he's like a homie that's like now i go back and listen to that with tashi wa record and i'm like oh sweet. yeah it's like more nostalgic for me so sweet uh you know we'll do uh, i'll do two more we'll do two more um uh this one um i mean it's like everyone's gonna have something to say about it but i, I gotta bring it up uh moon is down for the suits forever oh yeah um same kind of thing where I was a big fan of uh, Dashboard. Mm-hmm. And so that record, same thing, was like just so unique to its time. I remember mm-hmm. it like 
that was another one where it's like you couldn't meet anyone that wasn't jamming that record and wasn't like the biggest thing ever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I still, I know every word I could, you play it and I could jam it all the time. So love that record. Sweet. And then, uh, last one I'll do, uh, obviously one that's a little newer, um, you know, in the, in the tooth and nail kind of discography in terms of when you guys were, were on the, on the label. Uh, but, um, uh, destination beautiful may. Yeah, that is another one that, uh, just with his vocals, Dave's vocals, it's like, yeah. it's just May. Like you can't, you know what I mean? There's not yep. like a, Oh, you play. And if you don't know him, you don't know him. But it's like, as soon as you hear it, you're like, Oh, this is, this is May. And this is that band. Mm-hmm. So I love that record. It's one of, it's, um, it's, I will say like, and I don't know if we're talking about how I felt at the time or now, like that is one that didn't hold up to me quite as much as some others. Like I go back and those are homies. So this uh, sure, sure. isn't too brutal, but that's one no, of no. records that I go back and listen to. I'm like, I, I can't really jam it anymore. And I think, mm-hmm. but some of those records are so special because it instantly just reminds you of that time. And it was so important for that time. And they were like at this very similar time to us mm-hmm. as far as when they were coming up on tooth and nail. Yeah. And they were for sure our most like they were our close friends, but we were like the most competitive with them because we were like putting records out at the exact same time. And it was like it, we just in a in a healthy way. It wasn't like an angry competition. It was a very like healthy, good, balanced um, kind of competition with them. But, yeah, that awesome. record was one where, I, where we all played it and just fell in love yep. with it at the time. So. And and I think um, you know just to close this out, I think well, the brilliant thing about Tooth and Nail as a record label is like all the all the records we talked about. I mean, they've all got you know if if you listen to Destination Beautiful, right, and then you listen to um, you know like like Life in General, any MXPX record for that matter, or like uh, like a band like Craig's Brother, like something like that. Totally. I mean, you can see how tooth and nail has evolved but they've opened their arms to all this different Tons, kind of music yeah. and then of course with you know tooth and nail and and you know the solid state with with the more aggressive music and stuff but yeah. i mean it's just such an encompassing label that has Agreed. given opportunity to all these all these bands so and even and even like you know a band like amberlin like you know when, totally. when, when you listen to um you know when you listen to the to the first record you listen to like the, the first couple of seconds of ready fuels mm-hmm. like you're you're dealing with a, a completely different animal oh. than than you know like a like emotion is dead or or, yep. or like a, a like a waking Ashland or even like mm-hmm. you know like any band like that you know mm-hmm. but I think that's the beauty of that label um and uh, and I'm sure that probably is a reason why uh you know when you guys did Lowborn you decided that you wanted to you know because this was going to be essentially the end of your career as you knew mm-hmm. it at the time mm-hmm. but you yeah. were like let's bring it full circle and 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 you know end up where we started kind of deal. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that is all, everything you said is, is very, uh, on point. I mean, that's tooth and nail was that label that I agree with you. I would go through and be like, what, what, how, like, why is this all one label? You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, oh, we're only going to sign these kind of bands. And they signed bands that like have gone on that other people started other bands from it, like massive stuff. And I think that goes, uh, you know, the credit goes to Brandon Evil who started it. I mean, he, he was just signing bands that he liked that were good. Like he had a mm-hmm. way of finding these bands that he didn't really care 
a, if it fit a fan, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he signed stuff that I remember even like looking back, I'm like, how the hell did he have the insight or like the foresight to see and be like this band? And not that they all were massive, but even if they, they were all so influential for the most part, you know what I mean? Like even like 238, it's like, dude, I, that yeah. record still to this day is like, if that came out now, I would think it's insane. And the fact that he heard it when he did, and he's like, I want to sign this band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm going to give them the chance to like put out music. And like, that's why I, I, I even before we were on Tooth and Nail, we loved it so much because sure. it was such a broad, you know, spectrum of, of rad bands. Yeah. So. And, and the, and the wild, even, even like the other wild thing about it is like, if you really look at where, for all intents and purposes, where, you know, kind of tooth and nail really started. I mean, you, you take, you know, kind of like a pop punk band or, or you know, like MXPX, mm-hmm. you take Starflyer 59, which was like really for all intents and purposes, oh, yeah. like a shoegaze band mm-hmm. and like all of these other kind of like punky bands and like, you know, and then they, you know, they, you build your kind of your, your ethos around it. But then all of a sudden, you know, you like you, you kind of look into like a band like the OC Supertones and like that they're on totally. the label. And they're yeah. just, and they're so different as well. So I just yeah. think it, it's so cool. Um, but, uh, you know, I, like I said, getting to talk to someone who's, you know, had the experience that's, you know, been a part of their family, uh, you know, really, really super cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with everything you said about that label. It's all spot on for sure. And Starflare 59 Gold was the first cassette tape I ever bought. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Now, Nate, we, we've already kind of pointed out that you're, about our age, if I'm doing the math correctly. So Tom and I are yeah. 33. So you're right around that Same. range, right? 33. All right. Yeah. So you must have been super young when the Tampa Bay Lightning were granted a franchise, right? Oh, yeah. Very young. So, like, do you only remember the time of having a team, or do you remember, like, being young and not, like, not having a hockey team? No, I, I mean, I, at the time, like, I think I just always kind of remember because at the time my brother played, he started playing soccer when he was real young and they named their team, the lightning Tampa Bay lightning, same logo, same everything. And that was right about the time that we got them. So in my mind, it was like, yeah, like we were just always had, it. you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't remember going, Oh, we don't have hockey. Now we do. I remember the conversations that it was a big deal. Like my dad was very stoked. I remember like, and I have photos of myself wearing tons of lightning gear when I was super young. And like, so, but I, I think it was more like, I, I don't even, I'm trying to remember how old I would have been, but I don't think I was old enough to fully remember that transition. But yeah. Now, was, was it like the cool thing to do in the nineties, like to go to Tampa Bay lightning games as a little kid? So it was, but I, I did not get to go until my, 10th birthday and that was like all i wanted and we played the new jersey devils and we got wrecked but all like i just remember was like all i wanted to do i was like i didn't ask for anything i didn't ask for toy like i was just like all i want to do is go to a hockey game so i got to go with like a few of my friends and just because i grew up like i'm a massive football fan so i grew up that was like my world was, was football and i've been to a handful of football games before that and i remember from a very young age and my Quick fun fact: the reason why I'm in Tampa is because my dad got drafted to the Buccaneers, so he oh, played sweet. for the Buck. Yeah, so so that was like heavily in my 
family as far as that goes. But so I've been to football games, but I just couldn't wrap my head around what a hockey game would be like. Like I used to like stare at stuff and be like, I can't like what it's supposed to be cold. Like all I remember is like sitting outside and sweating my ass off because it's mm-hmm. hot even <laughs> in the fall during football games. You know what I mean? So it was like the the idea and the excitement of it was just heavily all my friends like everyone was like so pumped on the idea of it but um yeah so it was like a cool thing but i i had to wait a while to where i was able to go for, until it was my birthday present <laughs> no that's awesome like I, i'm just so curious because you know the, the islanders were always a team when i was a kid like totally and, and it was actually like the dark ages of the franchise so it <laughs> totally. wasn't even like necessarily like the cool thing to like admit that you were an Islander fan. Like, yeah, you totally. you would kind of get shit if you said you were an Islander fan as a little kid. <laughs> totally. So yeah, that's crazy. You know, no, it was. I mean, but we weren't. You know, it was like this weird thing where it took a long time for it to really catch on because it was like such a strange thing for uh you know Tampa to have a hockey team. You know what I mean? I think even people out here were like, "What is this?" You know what I mean? Like a lot of people were just like, hey, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like, we got a hockey team. It was kind of a weird thing, for sure. But then when you were in high school, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning took off and, like, really oh, yeah. were one of the best teams in the NHL. And, like, I just remember those teams. You guys actually played us in the playoffs one year, and mm-hmm. you guys were just so much better than us. Like, and <laughs> that that was, like, when the Islanders finally started to get better. And, like, we had, like, Alexei Yashin and Mike Pekka and like uh-huh. that was probably the the only like great times of being a fan were when I was in mm-hmm. high school, and then like you yeah. guys just smoked us like the first <laughs> round you guys yeah. destroyed us, and then like <laughs> Saint Louis and Vinny Lecavier yeah, like dude. we're just so freaking good and so like ahead of the time and and I feel like ever yeah. since that point, like the Tampa Bay Lightning have never looked back, yeah, it's true, man we've had you know we've had some heartbreak, we've had some really you know, tough postseason. We had some rough games, but it's like, you're right. Since that, it was this, the city really came, you know, obviously at that point was like, oh, okay, this is like the real deal. And what's rad is like, it hasn't really stopped. Like by far, um, the Bolts are the biggest and most loved sporting team in, in this area. Like, like bucks have always struggled like that's a whole nother conversation but like as far as like the city rallying around uh the bolts has always been there and and that's what's so cool is because our organization has been able to do a really good job at that we've had such good seasons that it you know if we had like after you know stanley cup and all that like if we just tanked and we kept getting worse and all this stuff i think it'd be tough i think i think that's the way with any city but because we're not a super super old team you know what i mean like in the grand scheme of like like you said the islanders like these teams that have been around for so long where it's like generations and it's ingrained in them and all this stuff like it's been rad to see that we've been able to do what we have because it really keeps fans pumped and keeps them into it and gaining more fans you know what i mean so it has been cool, man. I at that time I was touring so much that I didn't go. I I barely got to go to like any games at that time, and I just remember keeping up when I could and talking to my dad and kind of like living from afar, being like, "Go Bolts!" You know what I mean? Like from across the country, still just doing what I had to do. So. Yeah, and then like when you think about the Florida Panthers, which aren't too far away, like you know what, three hours mm-hmm. away, four hours away, whatever it may be. And they struggled like 
it, it's it's just crazy to think like how one franchise is so successful, like sells out almost every game, and then not too far away, you know, hockey's not really working out so great in South Florida. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. To, it, 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 you're right. It's only like you know four hours away, so it's such a like weird thing that it's like you know that close and it's such a big gap of of everything of games of fans like it's just such a difference for sure yeah and you know like i said tom and i were just there in january and like the whole game experience and like that whole downtown area was just so Mm -hmm. much fun like you know granted it was a beautiful day like every bar was just packed and like the whole outdoor area where they like before you enter the arena before you enter with the bolts and stuff yeah oh it was just rocking man like yeah so much fun it really is and it's been cool to see like all the different a a good buddy of mine started like a side thing where they all get to go to the games and there's like tons of them and they like show up hours before and just like it's just such a cool thing to see like i said like that this has been the first like sports team in tampa that has had such a rad consistent following of like people and now we have history with it which is it which makes it fun as well you know what i mean like it's gone further you know far enough to where you know people talk about games from you know 10 years ago and stuff and 15 yeah. years ago, so it's really cool so while you guys were um you know while you guys were you know an active band you were out there on tour i mean is um anyone else in the band like hockey fans like have you guys ever had an opportunity to like catch like um like an away game or like anything on the west coast or up in canada anything like that on like a day off or something no sadly i so i'm out of the whole band i'm the most connected not not sports like i said we're all big like football dudes but as far as hockey goes like i'm really am the only one and we've we've caught some um some of the dudes went to like avalanche games like it was never really specifically bolts like if we were in a city and like some of our friends had tickets and that kind of stuff. Like we're all just down for sports at all awesome. times. Sweet. So we we are heavily involved with that side. But as far as like being able to see the Bulls play an away game, I would that would have been unreal. But sadly, it just never happened. And at never the time, like yeah, just never really. I mean, we were kind of in Amberlin in a weird way. Really did connect to a lot of sporting stuff, which I think is really cool. Like for us, it was like the raddest thing ever. Like we got to do a whole tour of like ESPN and we got to do like a bunch of rad um, stuff like that, but nothing actually like specific to the bolt or specific to the NHL, except that thing we did in 2018, which I was talking about. Sweet. Now I, I I do want to kind of transition to, to music again. Um, so you guys did a cover of the cure love song in mm-hmm. 2003 right that that's when it came out yep and then the very next year 311 puts out the same a cover of the same exact oh, song yeah. like did that was you feel wild. like they were stealing your thunder and like were kind of like jealous that um that adam <laughs> sandler movie decided to use their version rather than your version <laughs> Oh man, so funny. No, it's it's weird. I remember we were all just like, really? Like, why that song, dude? Like, I mean, we knew why that song, because that song's such a good song, and it's like one of the biggest, but we were just like, out of all the songs, like, we just thought it was such a strange thing. We're like, man, that's a bummer. Like, uh, especially because, like, not, I mean, in our world, like, not a lot of people were covering songs. That wasn't really a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess it was to some extent, but with our like circle of like bands that we toured with like covering songs. So we thought it was like so 
pool to like cover that song. We were like so into it. And then when <laughs> I forget the first time we all heard it, we were like, dude, like no way. Like why? Just pick any other one, you know? And then people, a lot of people, like younger people didn't realize that that was a cover. Oh, I believe and, it. I believe and that people sure. were like, Oh my God, three eleven covered Amberlynn. And we were like, no, no, no. Like, no, no. We, Oh man. Like even one of my friends, like one of my childhood friends called me. He's like, dude, I just heard an awful cover of one of your songs. <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's not our song. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was crazy dude, for sure. That it was you, that you know, it's really funny about that. Cause I mean, it's not that far off base. Cause, um, they just um about a week ago, um the lead singer three eleven um like was like, Oh, uh, I recorded a cover of uh, this song. It's like one of my favorite bands, uh this hardcore band called Turnstyle, and everyone's like, What is happening? Like Turn <laughs> I don't know if you're a fan of Turnstyle, but like Turnstyle is like No, I know they are, yeah. Yeah, you know they're so they're like this quintessential like right now like hardcore band that are like humongous. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden like the lead singer three eleven's like, Yeah, bro. It's a cool band, Turnstile. We're gonna do this cover, this chilled, like maxed out cover, and like everyone in the hardcore community is like, "Bro, what is happening right now?" <laughs> so that is so funny. I didn't know about that. So I don't, I don't doubt that, man. I don't doubt people just probably being like, "Wait, what? This yeah. is an animal song." Totally. <laughs> yeah, Love and it. it is. Yeah, especially because like when you look at the title, it doesn't say like this is a cover of this band. It just says the title, you know. So if people yeah. don't like do you know know that song prior there's not a lot of reason why you would know but it is still just funny when that happens for sure and now this is like taking me back a little bit and i i like i I probably should have done research to get it right but was it i know you guys covered a smith song and i don't remember like i know it was bonus but i don't remember on what record it was but like i think it's so interesting that like you covered the cure you covered the smiths which are like two of like the most like influential yeah. like sad boy bands that totally. like and um but uh I, I it was oh gosh uh, there's a light that never goes out oh I yeah don't yeah remember what record it was on but it um, was on a b-side we just put it out on like a comp it was like a oh, b-sides cool. record yeah but how cool is that man you know you guys yeah. got to have you know a, a cover of the cure a cover of the smiths that's that's pretty that's pretty rad yeah that was all that was all from uh our singer and our guitar player like heavily into those bands growing up so uh, to be honest, even at that age, like all of my music knowledge was, was from my brothers, but the majority of yeah. that was more like Tooth and Nail and then like Nirvana and Green yep. Day. And like uh, sure. that was more my vibe. So all of like Smiths and Cure and that whole, it, um, it was just all from the Amberlynn dude. So our singer and our guitar player. So even when we were covering those songs, I was like, I knew them at that point, but I'd only knew that because they had like played it so much and I'd heard it. But yeah, that none Very of good. that was my my decision. But hey, all good though. <laughs> now I just want to bring up a personal story that I know I, I mentioned it in uh in our conversation, but back in 2004, I was able to catch you open up for Fallout Boy and. Oh yeah, a, a small venue like this is something that I pride myself on. Is like I got to see Fallout Boy in probably like a two hundred and fifty person cap room. Like oh yeah. So like, can you like tell me what that tour is like? Because like right after that tour is like when they totally just got like massive broke into the mainstream and like blew the fuck up. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. That that was such a uh, a weird thing because I remember 
I it got like presented to us like, yo, do you guys want to tour this band like Fall Out Boy? And I was like, yeah, I hadn't even like heard of them. I remember being like, yeah, like what? You know, I was like, didn't know cause as much for whatever reason. But I was like, yeah, like, and, and I remember our management was like, yo, they're like, they're, they do really strong numbers. And we're like, yeah, of course, you know, at the time we were like down. Um, and that tour was so good. Like their fans were like, even like some of the venues we played were like smaller, but at the time they were massive to us. You know what I mean? It was like such this like, and just seeing these like people losing their minds for, for this band, we were like, so like, dude, this is wild. Like, and they, they were so unique too like their sound was like so different i like, couldn't really place it you know i couldn't be like oh it's like this or it's this and and um but yeah that tour such a good tour slammed and then uh on that tour so i like hung heavy with pete he was like the dude that i hung with the most and he was like dude we just got like the cover of ap and he like sh- they got like an early copy and he like showed me it's like and it, that like blew my mind because at the time that was like the biggest thing it was like if you could get on the cover of AP magazine it was like the end all and I was like dude they're like blowing up and like so we did that tour and it was like so much fun raddest dudes like kept in touch really well after that and then like I remember I was like at the grocery store or something and I like heard their song on. I was like, dude, they're like actually blowing up. And then like weeks later, Pete was on like People magazine or something. I was like, this is the strangest thing. That was the first time we toured with a band and done like club shows. And it was like, so it, at, like I said, it was every show sold out. It was like amazing. But then they went from that to like, straight up like celebrity status what felt like so quick and it was just so it for us like looking back and realizing that we toured with pretty one of the last tours that fallout boy did where they could play even like normal clubs was really cool and really you know one of those like random things that we just happened to get to do that was like really special looking back on it for sure yeah because that was june 2004 and then Mm -hmm. um from under the cork tree came out in 2005 and that's when they blew the yeah. fuck up so like yeah that was really the last <laughs> tour before they blew the fuck up and i was like man i was at that show and it's just cool this to see that like amberlin had such a long career punchline is still like really kicking and like doing their thing and like Heck yeah. obviously fallout boys fallout boys so it's just yeah totally <laughs> it's one of those shows that i'm, I'm just like to the day I'm going to be telling my kids like, yeah, I went, I saw that band like when they were small. Totally. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. That really was such a a cool tour for sure. I still have like all my passes and stuff too. And I recently found that one. I was like, dude, crazy. So I have uh, one, one more quick question for you. Uh, You know, we've been talking, um, you know, probably almost just, just a little under an hour now, but uh, Mm -hmm. so one, one last question I I do have for you. And this is just something personally that, that I'm just interested in. So I know, um, you know, you guys had uh, had played a couple of cornerstones uh, for, you know, those listeners that don't know, the Cornerstone Festival was this, you know, really big. Um, I, I guess you'd probably call it like a like a, a music festival that was based around like Christian bands and, and you know, bands that kind of, um, you know, had 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 a heavy hand in, in, in faith and music and all that kind of stuff. But um, but Cornerstone, the, the crazy thing about it is, I mean, the collect the collection of bands that would often play these festivals is just like is on unreal so like um in doing research like i just pulled up 2006 uh and the cornerstone festival and, and maybe you can share some some memories your personal memories about it but like just 
this was the lineup for for that. And I'm just picking a couple of bands out: Paramore, mm-hmm. Reliant K, Copeland, mm-hmm. Underoath, and Cities Burn, mm-hmm. Branson, Anathalo, Pace the Day, uh, Joan Zetta, uh, like uh, Love Drug. Yeah. All these bands that like I absolutely love, mm-hmm. all under the same roof. Uh, roof, um, you know, really just kind of all there for the same reason to, you know, to be uplifting, to mm-hmm. kind of get, you know, get, get the message out, but also really just to commune and, and be together and play music. So, um, I had never gotten the opportunity to go to a Cornerstone Festival, which is one of the great regrets that I have mm-hmm. uh, of my youth. But, you know, you being a part of them and being in that atmosphere, can you just give me a little bit of insight about what it was like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, same as you, like growing up, like I remember hearing about and hearing about Cornerstone and like mm-hmm. it was this thing that felt too big. It was like, I don't understand it. How can these, you know, how can all these be- bands be in one spot? Like, mm-hmm. like you just named all those bands. It was like such this massive thing that it yeah. was just, it was just hard to wrap my head around. So when we started, you know, Amber Lynn and when we found the spot, when we found out we were going to play Cornerstone, it was like, it was so like next level unreal. And I got to say, and I, I feel bad saying this because you were just like, oh man, it's one of my regrets. But like, it really was one of those things that like lived up to what you thought it would be. <laughs> I mean, it was like, like you said, like it was positive too. It was like at the time, it was like there was nothing like it. It was out yeah. in the middle of nowhere. It was this, and there were so many freaking people, and it was yep. just. These shows were insane. You would go see, you know, and, and we had the chance to play a bunch, but then, you know, I can't even remember how many it was, five or six or yeah. more or whatever. But, like, then the, when Norma Jean was exploding and, like, yeah. playing these, like, tents outside in front of thousands and thousands of people packed in, like, diving off the stage. I saw Me Without You there for, like, the first time when they were mm-hmm. exploding. Like, stuff that looking back, I'm like, that was insane that we got to, like, there's just nothing really even like it. Even in, like you said, like it was more faith-based. It was more of those kind of bands. Yeah. Like even outside of that, there was nothing really like that. Like there were yep. festivals, but nothing like this. Nothing to this point where you could go watch all the different styles of bands, but then also just like th- that amount of like excitement and that mm-hmm. amount of like just you know, the overall feel of Cornerstone really was something that like I'll never forget. And then sadly, just with the way music industry goes and everything, like it, you know, it went downhill and now it's obviously not a thing. And like, yeah, even being, I think we played one of the last ones. They were like, yo, I don't know if we're going to do this anymore. And like, even then it was like seeing all that it meant to so many people was so cool. And like, it was like, they did such a good job. I think that like, that would be a really tough thing to pull off now no matter what how many bands you pull together the festival would just feel like another festival that nothing really felt like cornerstone at that time for sure so anyway yeah. i hope that doesn't sting as bad after you just said that no but, no you <laughs> know what just being cool. honest no and that's great uh, and and you know one of the things that they're trying to do this year and of course it's all nebulous right now with everything that's going on but uh, Fest, you know they yeah. they had brought back furnace fest yeah exactly which is like I guess kind of a microcosm of Cornerstone because it's obviously not as big, but I mean, a lot of the bands that were playing Cornerstone would, would be playing this year's Furnace Fest. I mean, when you look through that lineup, I mean, it's just like, yeah, Furnace Fest has the potential to be the closest thing to Cornerstone and probably ever since that time. And I would say if it does, and that's why this is so sad and such a shame, you know, 
that it's going on because it's like it 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 if it goes off in the way it should go, it it was gonna be like what I imagined Cornerstone would be, and we were gonna play it. Oh yeah, were you? <laughs> yeah, I mean we haven't announced it, we haven't figured out everything, but like if it goes down, like we'll, we'll be there. I was gonna go no matter what. I was like, yeah, even if we're not gonna play it, I was like, I'm going for sure. Oh, so absolutely, and, and I mean, and we're, you know, obviously, fingers crossed and hoping that it, it, yeah, of it course, does man. end up happening. But I mean, like, yeah. um. It's just one of those things where, like, I remember when they first um, when they first announced it, um, and the first time I, I got a chance to talk to someone about it was uh, when we had uh, Dusty from Beloved on the show, and I was just like, kind of just gu- gushing to him about like how much I love Beloved and how like cool this thing is, and like ever since that, like seeing all the bands that are on it and just like all this love I had for all this music, it's it weighs heavy on my heart because like I wasn't going to be able to go cause I'm, I'm actually, I'm getting married this year. Again, fingers crossed, but uh, um, it was just one of those things where like I saw all these bands and it just reminded me of like how much I loved all this music, you know, and talking to you kind of reminds me of it because like Anne Berlin was a big part of, of, of my exposure to that kind of music because it's just one of the things I always did. Like I'd, I'd get into a band and then I would just like start kind of meandering around and being like, okay, well, I like this band. What other bands are on this label? What other bands are like this band? And then from that, like that's how I got into bands like Amory. That's how mm-hmm. I got into bands like um, I, I just mentioned them, like Joan Zetta and, and Anathalo and like all these bands that like I, are huge, huge for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it all stems from liking a, a band like yours. And um, and I'll I'll tell you, I'll, I'll just tell you real quick. The way that I got into Anne Berlin was, uh, it was it was from the song it was Ready Fuels, but I I heard you guys on Pure Volume. Oh, nice! And that's where I caught it from. It's Pure Volume, and I was like, "Well, this song is sick. Let me go buy that record." So I bought your CD, CD, mm-hmm. CD, bought totally. the CD <laughs> off of uh, off of Smart Punk. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, along with like three or four other CDs, and mm-hmm. like that's just how I did it. And like I was that's big awesome. into that. Uh, and, uh, so like I said, from, from the bottom of my heart to, to you, I, I, I appreciate your body of work. I appreciate what your band has done and I appreciate how your band exposed me to music that I wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to listen to. So I yeah, think that's awesome. That. Really yeah, do. man. Thank you so much. That means a lot to hear. And I, and I agree with you. It's funny to hear that and feel so similar with other bands. I mean, that's the same way I feel about some of the bands you even named tonight with records that they put out. like led me to so much stuff led me to so many bands that i'm like changed so much of my musical life and you know without being too over the top of my life in in general you know what i mean of so course. i i think it's cool to uh hear that so it means a lot because i know exactly what you're saying so it's like it's very strange and very like surreal to hear someone say that because i'm like dude that's how i feel about these other bands so <laughs> yeah exactly so thank you man that, that You're really very, a lot, very, sure. very welcome, man. So, uh, uh, Nate, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, man. Um, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show, chat a little music, chat a little hockey. Um, and who knows, man, hopefully when, you know, everything s- starts to kind of slow down, down yeah. and get back to, to whatever normal is, totally. and hockey starts up again, we'd love to have you back on, chat a little bit more with you. Man, I'd love to. I look forward to it for sure. And, Nate, Sweet. next time I'm in Tampa, I'm definitely going to check out King Street because... I'm not necessarily a coffee snob, but yeah, yeah. my wife makes me go to Oxford Exchange every time I'm there, and I'd much, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> I'd much rather you know catch your your place and and 
you know, shoot the shit over a cup of coffee. Yeah, dude. Let me know for sure, man. We'd love to have you. All right, man. Take care. Awesome, man. Thank you guys so much. You too, man. Yo, man, <laughs> Nate from Amberlin, dude, that is super cool. I mean, I, I never, never would have thought I'd, I'd get to chat with with someone from from that band, and uh, you know, super cool that uh, they, uh, you know, kind of had gotten back into it, and you know, they played that Under Oath show, and then uh, you know, played a couple of shows last year. I'm sure once uh, you know this uh, this pandemic ends, I could see them definitely getting back to it, and uh, so I'm really excited for that for sure. Now. One thing that stood out to me is that we're all the same exact age. So we're yeah. all 33 years old. Can you just think about the fact that Nate was like 15, 16 years old when he started playing with Amberlin and like touring with them and what you and I yeah. were doing when we were 15 or 16? Like, can yeah. you wrap your yeah. brain around that? That like, that's so wild to me. I agree, man. I, I couldn't imagine. Um, you know, like doing all that kind of stuff at that age. I mean, like I was just like starting to bloom and blossom into like really kind of enjoying this music and enjoying this scene. I mean, I would have loved it. I would have relished in the opportunity, but I mean, I, I can't imagine it. I just can't. And and it's so cool to know that like, you know, it's kind of like, and the same thing with, uh, with hockey players too, you know, just to, to, to kind of cross that bridge and make that connection. I mean, you know, some of the, some of the best hockey players get drafted when they're 16, 17, 18 years old. And I mean, like sometimes it's hard to imagine that, you know, when you're, uh, you know, in the stands watching a hockey game, I mean, you're watching all these guys making, you know, some of the millions of dollars just to like, you know, skate on the ice and play. And here you are 10 years older than them watching them, you know? So it's kind of a crazy thing. Yeah. I, I just, I guess I had no idea because for some reason I thought that like, uh, the singer of Amberlin was kind of older than than us, but I guess he must not be that much older. So, just crazy. Sixteen years old playing. Yeah, playing. No, uh, I agree with Amberlin. Just crazy. So, you yeah, know, it really is. We uh we also talked in the interview about Tooth and Nail Records, and Tooth and Nail Records, even though it's a Christian label has you know some of our favorite bands and um you know 
all these brackets are coming out and whatnot, and I even saw that they are doing a tooth and nail bracket. So I guess I just want to talk about some of our favorite tooth and nail bands. So why don't you go ahead and, and list off just three? See if you can list off three of your favorite tooth and nail bands. Um, I mean, for me, I, um, you, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm a little bit more eclectic, uh, but specifically for tooth and nail. Uh, and, you know, you, you heard me talk about them a little bit during the interview, but I'd say my three favorite bands to come off of tooth and nail, uh, Juliana Theory being one of them, you know, a band that I love uh, a lot. Um, Further Seems Forever, another band that I love a lot, uh, you know, both of which have had, you know, really important records in this uh in this kind of you know scene we'll call it in this kind of avenue that have influenced a lot of other other bands and uh the other one that i'm going to give you um is a little bit of a uh of an out of left field one but uh, this band uh, called terminal uh one of my favorite bands a newer you know tooth and nail band i think uh you know they're like 2006 or 2007 uh, but, uh, you know, they had a, a record called How the Lonely Keep, which was like really one of my favorite re- records. Um, you know, never I don't think I had the opportunity to see them, unfortunately, but uh, great band that I loved. Uh, so those would be my three. I mean, I could name 100 more, but I would say those would be my three. Uh, what would you say? Now, I guess like I had no idea that Further Seems Forever was on Tooth and Nail Records. Like because you think about like yep. what Chris Caraba went off to do with like Dashboard After. And like, yep. you don't usually consider like Dashboard a Christian band. And like, honestly, when I listen yeah. to Further Seems Forever, The Moon Is Down, like, n- maybe I just haven't like dived into the lyrics enough, but it doesn't come off as a Christian album to me. No, it, I, I don't really think it is either. Um, and I think that's the interesting thing about Tooth and Nail. Like, I think Tooth and Nail have. Um, I think if you would talk to a lot of tooth and nail artists, I would say that some of them are faith-based bands. Um, I think even like Amberlynn is a great example. Like, you know, they're all, everyone in the band are, they're, they're all people who, who have faith and, and, you know, who, who believe in God and who, uh, you know, have that important part of their life. But I wouldn't necessarily say their music is Christian music. I'd probably say that it's secular music, um, you know, obviously, which is non-Christian music, but I don't know. I mean, you know, you could dress up music in a lot of different ways and you could, you know, kind of tailor your lyrics to mean a lot of things to different people, you know? So, I mean, it could be. All right. So I guess my three um, would be Under Oath, Emery, and Copeland. Like, those are three that are still on my heavy rotation till this day. Um, You know, Amberlynn, you know, Amberlynn, and the almost are right there. Um, and obviously like that further seems forever album. The moon is down is just so good, but definitely under oath and Copeland. I mean, under oath, Copeland and Emery, just three solid bands, especially under oath and Emery definitely opened up my eyes to some of the heavier music that I love. And just, yep. you know, Copeland is still putting out fantastic, beautiful music. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it, you know, I mean, all of those bands. Um, what you said, the Underoath, Copeland, and uh, and Emery, you said, yeah. right? I mean, they're all they're all put. Yeah, they're they're all still putting out music, which is kind of wild. I mean, um, you know, Emery pretty consistently has been putting out music for at this point probably almost fifteen, sixteen years. 
I mean, you know, Under Oath took their little break, but they've been back with music and Copeland has been consistent as well. You know, it's uh, a lot of these guys are very prolific in the kind of music they make and, you know, how how they're able to to kind of keep bending the genre. So it's uh, it's really cool. You know, I think Tooth and Nail made a lot of good choices with who they signed and, uh, you know, who they found, you know, were we're going to be able to kind of move their message message rather, but also. Um, but also sell records, you know, and, and I mean, uh, they, uh, I think they pick very well and I think they have a great body of work. All right. Touche. So I guess we can wrap up this week's episode. Um, I, I, as always really appreciate all of you that continue to listen to bar down breakdown. Um, this is episode 51. You know, I, I know that 50 was a, a big milestone, but every episode is a big milestone because honestly, I, I didn't think it would ever get to this point. So thank you for tuning in. And as always, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just search bar down breakdown. You'll find us. And then, you know, you were available wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe, like review, let us know how we're doing. Let Tom know that saves the day is not the best two thousands emo band. And, uh, Stupid. That's a stupid, <laughs> stupid thing to say. Stupid. And we'll leave it at that. So, Tom. All right. Peace be with you, dude. And also with you.